Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. Welcome to this week's Practical Magic. Thank you for bearing with me as I took a little hiatus last week. I think you could probably hear my voice. The end of year has approached and with it, it has sideswiped me. Joy upon joy. But I am here to share the most gorgeous podcast for you this week. I am in conversation with the most divine Gemma Brady of Sister Stories. Gemma is the most gorgeous person in the world. She is the founder of Sister Stories and also a documentary maker. We're on the show today to talk all about the importance of storytelling and community. I absolutely adored speaking with Gemma a few weeks ago. I know you're going to enjoy the show because when I talked about storytelling before, it was one of the most popular podcasts. So we're going to talk about why it's important for women to sit in circle, why storytelling is such an important thing that we weave and share and binds us together. I do hope you enjoy the show. I am going to be back next week when we're going to be talking about a review for the year so enjoy this one my loves i'm joined by the gorgeous Gemma brady can you give us the backstory about how you started sister stories how storytelling has become such a huge part of your life or it's probably already always always been there but how you noticed it was a thread that came through your life for us there's a joke in my family that I was born with really big ears. I was this tiny, tiny little baby with these enormous ears. And it took me until I was about 12 to grow into them. But they used to tease me about it because I was such a listener as a child. I was really quite shy and incredibly quiet, quite introverted, really bookish. And I often think that I spent the first probably 20 years of my life just consuming stories and really being a listener rather than a speaker and it's almost like when I went to university I had to learn to be in a conversation because I just wanted to witness a conversation rather than actively being part of it and I think all through growing up being playing that listening role allowed me to experience the world in and sort of satisfy my curiosity in a really rich way so I think when we talk about storytelling we often think about the act of speaking the story but actually for me it's as much about listening to stories and I think when you ha- I felt a real connection to them as a way of understanding the world and of course we all have that experience that's how we um, that's how we learn what life is about but it felt really wonderful to me when I left university that I was able to have a career where I could essentially le- learn to listen for a living so I ended up going to be a documentary maker I think if I hadn't have been a documentary maker I probably would have trained as a therapist I really wanted to be in that that role where you're it's not passive exactly but you're not the performer and you're not in the limelight you're there to hold space to listen to witness to ask the right questions and just to get so put soak up all of the glorious tales that people have it's a real privilege to do that kind of work and such a gift it. because there's so often in the culture that we live in, 
that you must be on show, you know, you must be an influencer, you must have this many people, you must be on all the time and, and putting it out, out, out. And there's something about that quiet beta almost of, like you're saying, being able to absorb a gift to be able to absorb and listen to other people's stories and then for you to be able to reflect and filter and put that back out into the world and convey that in whichever way that comes as a documentary maker, as somebody who sees and witnesses other people's stories and holding space for them as well. That's really, really gorgeous, isn't it? And um, let's let's talk about, because um, I did a podcast way back when about my own story and the power of storytelling. Why is storytelling so important for us as humans in, in a way that it connects us and what its purpose is? I think on the most primal level, stories are how we understand the world and how we relate to the world. So there's been lots of research about this, about their effect on the brain and their role in neuroscience and, and you know on our most primal level how it helps us filter information and make sense of information. So everything that we, everything we consume is in some form a story, be it a conversation that we have, a picture that we see, media we consume. Song, song anything. Everything, yeah. you know, it's woven into everything. And um, it is what it is to be human, I suppose. Yeah. It, over anything else. Exactly, because without, without things weaving into a narrative, they're just a set of ideas yeah. or a set of words or concepts. It's not a fully formed notion so stories are everywhere so we we're raised on them and they're in our bones stories are in our bones and we know how to relate to a story I think they help us they help us navigate the world around us so the the sort of fable and the myth those have always been tools to teach moral you know as moral Mm. um lessons about life and I found when I was younger I spent quite a lot of time with old people and they almost listening to their tales it was almost like they were giving me a manual for living yeah not necessarily in the specifics of it but more in, in the spirit so it's funny when you ask that question about why they're important I feel like it's almost they're as fundamental as breathing mm. um and that's the filter I see the world through that everything's a story but the more we understand about our own stories and are able to create spaces for stories to emerge in a particular way where we're moving at a slower pace and we're not being overwhelmed by information, really slowing down to that primal level can be hugely, hugely, hugely healing. It's really important now, isn't it? Because there's so much overwhelm of information and we don't necessarily trust a lot of information that comes our way through social media, through fake news, through, you know, and even when news might be actually real and you've got somebody telling you, well, that's just fake news because I don't want you to believe that. I want you to believe my kind of thing. That's slowing down, the tuning in, the listening and holding that space for other people to to communi- communicate and connect is such a, an ancient primal thing. And it's like you say, it's in our bones. So important right now. Why do you think there's, or what have you noticed through sister story circles and your work as a documentary maker what have you noticed about that need for connection and communication in this really busy and distracted world so much i could say about this but i think in terms of connection we are consuming the stories of others all the time and it's become very fashionable on social media to tell our stories or to sort of perform Mm. vulnerability and there's a lot of performative storytelling that happens 
but it's quite rare that you meet people in the flesh to gather in a way where space is created to hear and share stories. And I, what I found through Sister Stories in particular, which is it's a very, very simple way of coming together where a group of women spend an evening in circle and share whatever feels present to them, whatever they want to give voice to. It might be an old story that feels like it needs to be expressed or something, a present concern. What happens in the room is that through hearing other people speak, there's almost like this invisible thread of connection and compassion. It's a red thread, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And in each person's telling of whatever they're talking about, someone will find, each individual person will find something that they relate to. And I've seen again and again and again and again this real feeling of compassion emerge. You know, you realise that everybody's got something going on. But it also, well, this is my experience, certainly it helps me to be more compassionate towards myself because it's not me that's worried or anxious. You know, I'm not the only human being in the world who has problems. And there's something about coming together in a space where we can be honest about that that's incredibly important. And in terms of... Um, might be worth talking a little bit about sort of what inspired the sister story. Yeah, space. please do. Yeah, so, because it it for me, I mean, obviously, I've followed your work for a long time. You're friends with Gail Loveshock, who's a friend of mine as well. But it was when I went to an event last year. Um, it was a Laura Jane Williams event, and somebody came over to me that you know you kind of connect with, and then you meet them in real life. And the first thing she said was, "Have you been to sister stories?" And I, it was just one of those things that really resonated because in queer we sit in circle and we share so much and because I've been watching your work and there were, I think there was maybe more than one person there and they were just like, it's the most important thing I've ever done in my life. Really. That's so gorgeous. I know, right? And it was just something that was so powerful to them to be able to, and, and I seem to remember these were very opposing ages of women and it was just that space that you've created for people to be able to sit and share stories in the way that we would have done around campfire you know it's um it, it's such an ancient thing it's, can you tell yeah tell us how they came about so i've spent over 10 years um making documentary films from about all sorts of different things from quite challenging stories about rape and domestic violence to really uplifting tales about love and i worked on a series that is quite famous here in the uk called 24 hours in a and e which is essentially set in a hospital and people have, um, obviously nobody wants to go into hospital on a normal day, something quite dramatic will happen in their life. And you tell the medical story through the eyes of the loved one who has witnessed, um, witnessed their dear one going through something difficult. And in the making of that, we would have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every series who we would sit in a chair and talk to about their life and you can pull anyone off the street and they've got a story that will make your heart bleed mm. and it, it was fascinating for me because it I would witness it being a healing process for them to be actually listened to and invited into a kind of conversation that let's be honest many of us don't have the opportunity to enter very often which is that really reflective space where you get to think about who you are how you got to be here and what's important to you in your life and in the relationships. And also why your story is important. Yeah. Because like you say, everybody's got a story, but not many people feel heard or seen enough to have their, to share their story. So they close down behind it, don't they? Yeah, and I think often people don't even think of themselves as having anything to say. So one of the things I really had to work hard on was to 
encourage people. I sort of, ma- sort of massage the story out of them. Um, and it was incredible because they saw themselves in a new light and I felt like I was just getting this sort of free, um, almost like life coaching. I felt like I was learning so much about what it meant to be a human being through being this, in this particular space. Um, and the more that I, the more films that I made and the more ordinary people I spoke to, I thought, I wonder what it would be like if this was just offered up as something that you could sort of drop into in your regular life and connect to people in your community, in the flesh, and share in this ancient way. So the format of Sister Stories, it's, as you say, it's really ancient, it's nothing new, and it's so simple in terms of what we do, but each time we gather, there's something that happens in the room, and people often describe it as magic, that's the word that people most often use to describe it, and it's because we're connecting to a part of ourselves that's so primal. Yeah. And I feel like magic is the thing that is energy unseen. Yes. So what happens is that, you know, when when we sit in those circles and when I what I talked about and I know that you talk about this as well, is that when we're connecting to our stories and there was a TED talk and you have to forgive me, I was talking about it in, in my previous podcast about storytelling, that they have found the studies that switch on the different parts of the brain when somebody's sharing a story that somebody else's brain will switch on and, and their heart will switch on. So you feel what the other person is feeling. So when we're sharing our stories and because of the lineage of everything, it's in our blood, it's in our cells, it's in our bones, like you say, there's a part of remembrance, isn't there? That when somebody else shares a story, there's a, a an ancient memory that's brought into the present moment. There is. And I think that there's a difference between... Um... I think it's important how we consume those tales. So the experience of watching something on television or on film and the experience of reading something is dramatically different to sitting in a room of heartbeats Mm. where you're looking at one another in the eye and you're hearing hearing it firsthand. Clarissa Pinkola-Estes, who writes Women Who uh, Run With The Wolves, talks about um, the experience of listening to a story. She talks about it coming in through the auditory nerve and being inside the story through listening rather than being sort of outside it as a consumer. And for me, when so much of our interactions with other human beings are mediated by screens, it feels really precious to actually do it in the flesh. I think that's where it feels special and ancient. Yeah, absolutely. And you can feel it in every single part of you. I mean, we're sitting here opposite from each other now. And that difference of meeting with somebody of having that eye contact or just feeling what that person is feeling because you know we are such empathetic beings it it does switch something on for us we can feel so much more than we feel like you say beyond a screen don't we um so because they are such a rich creative lineage and i'm using your words there because it's i just love that line our stories become other people's stories and the stories that we share help other people. What have you noticed in your circles about how that makes a difference to people's lives? Well, I think, firstly, I can sort of talk in terms of my own life, because that's the one that I experience most keenly. And I, um, each time I sit in that space and listen to others talk, I feel connected to something so much bigger than my individual problems that week or that day and it really has made me feel um, it allows me to almost zoom out from my life 
have this higher aerial perspective of what's going on as humans and really just help me not sweat the small stuff so much by really feeling part of something bigger. And on individual levels, I mean, people have talked about it's it's transformed their sense of having a community um, through having a space to share and to talk. It's helped people who don't feel that confident find their voices. And I'm someone who doesn't find it easy at all to speak in a group. Every time I sit down in that space, I feel terrified. And I always laugh because I'm the one who's instigated it. And yet fills me with dread but then that shows to me that that's the thing that's so important for you to do it because if it feels uncomfortable then that's exactly where you're supposed to be yeah and I think that not everybody leading something has to be all like jazz hands and high kicks and like you know a natural leader there's different forms of leadership and I do feel like that authenticity as well allows people to drop into themselves and because if you're you know as somebody holds space for women myself if you are being or like uh, this is something we do in Coir is that you going to a place that feels good isn't about going to a place where you think it looks good so because that puts a false expectation onto other people and a, and a judgment of oh, I have to be like I could never be like that so I think particularly when you're talking about this space of being open and being vulnerable and, and creating that say, space of trust knowing that you're where you are and having that more gentle slower calming space to be able to and a vulnerability to allow yourself to be there just allows other people to go oh thank god it's not just me it's true and i feel really strongly that we need private space or mm. so, say private because it's not entirely private because there are other people there but let's call it semi-public spaces where you're not having to share on the internet you are being witnessed and you have that really important element of being witnessed because that's what without a listener a story has nowhere to go you know you always need a listener but it being so contained that you're not it will go no further than the room and I think there's you know I think I mentioned earlier there's a lot of sort of open very um dramatic sharing which has its place and I I'm hugely grateful to those who have platforms and share their stories on them, but that's not what I choose to do. I'm quite, I'm relatively private online and that's something that's intentional. So having a behind closed doors space feels really important to me. And that's, it's so refreshing for people to do that because like you say, you know, not everybody wants to be online. Not everybody wants to be the influence, but they've still got stories to share. And so many people I meet, particularly people who, um, are working with their purpose and bringing their acts of service into the world find it really difficult to do that thing because it doesn't feel comfortable for them and I think there's a real shift actually I'm really noticing a a shift of people coming off of that social media because they're like I want human interaction this means so much more to me and how you can be so much more resonant with the people that you are sharing with is so much more powerful than just numbers isn't it it really is And I've been thinking a lot recently about um, the spaces we used to gather in in community. So obviously church, you know, in England, church was a big thing for many people. Religious organisations and religious meeting places perhaps aren't as prevalent as they once were, although, of course, many people still go. Going to the village hall, those collect, even to the pub, actually. I don't Mm. know anybody who um, has a local pub that they go to in the way that they used to. So we're becoming more and more fragmented as a society and although being online allows us to really connect into the specific things that we're interested in those big shared cultural narratives that we used to be part of 
are slightly fragmenting. So thinking about my TV work, in the olden days, 15 million people would sit down on a Saturday to watch Only Fools and Horses or whatever it was. And though, although there are certain, um, certain things on television which lots of people connect to, people's media consumption is much uh, more fragmented and therefore the shared stories that we have as a nation are slightly fewer, I think, than they used to be. Yeah, definitely. They are, aren't they? And I was just, as you was doing that, I just kept picturing all these different kind of TV shows going through my mind that we used to have and how, you know, TV was another medium to share ideals and share, share stories. I guess that's why say Netflix and BBC drama that's why they are becoming so much more popular because there's such strong storytelling narrative to it isn't there but just in a way that as human beings and we can experience our everyday life to be able to sit in a room and say well this happened to me today or this happened when I was five years old and it may be something that's been trapped inside of yourself that's caused you angst in the body has caused disease in the body that actually that sharing of it is a relief from all of the energetic systems you must feel that you must get a sense of that when people join together it's really powerful and it doesn't need sometimes people will come with something that's you know very perhaps painful or difficult or challenging but other times what they show is from a place of complete joy and we sort of fall about in laughter and I'm really curious from a scientific point of view what it is about that process of simply speaking and being witnessed that's healing. Really interestingly, Harvard Medical School have a, they have an in-house storyteller and physician. So it's someone who will go and sit with a patient and get them, sort of get them to tell their story whilst treating them. Wow. And that's something, you know, there's research, active research being done at the moment in the medical field about why it's healing. So although I, though I can't point to anything just yet, I've, I know we feel it in the body in the body yeah. and in the heart. Absolutely. And a sad story will stay in the heart. It will get locked in there, won't it? And then it will cause all kinds of issues in the body as well. I mean, Brené Brain, Brown talks about it in terms of, well, not particularly about the, the body connection, but her story of um, vulnerability and shame came from hard evidence and statistics, but it had to come through in storytelling. So it's a way of conveying the science into the heart isn't it and how we connect from heart to heart and how that can make a difference so you talk about um storytelling as being a healing modality so I can see where that comes from what else have you noticed about it being a healing power I think as well as I feel like as well as it healing on an individual level it can heal on a collective level so when you think back to Greek tragedy, for example, all the great tragedians used to use catharsis as a tool in their plays. And the catharsis was a moment where we were a the audience were able to connect to the bigger human picture and have that slightly painful experience of witnessing something terrible happen, yet move to a point where they were reflecting on what it means to be human. And as an audience, that moment would occur. So I feel like it it can um, it can help us come to terms with the big the big things that are going on mm. in life and in society. And I would love to see what else we can do within society to aid that process. 
It's so true. And I think back to, um, I mean, the time that we're recording this is um, just past Remembrance Day um, and the 100-year anniversary of the First World War ending. And obviously, the First World War and the Second World War, there's going to be very, very few people of which this is living memory. And I was having a thought about this the other day, that what happens when that living memory when people can't, you know, they're not active. So it comes through storytelling, doesn't it? Because we have to remember these important historical events as a way of a reminder to not do it again. I mean, we're living in a time when it's a very real threat that something like this could happen. So that these reminders and these beautiful documentaries and the beautiful stories that get shared and that, that feeling, that sense, it just makes you realise that we can't do that again. We cannot do that to other human beings. And there is that real sense of connection through stories, through history. And whether that's Greek tragedy or whether that's something that's in our more recent history, that's that's really a role and purpose for it, isn't it? And it's how all human beings have connected to what's gone before. And it always makes me laugh that as individual humans, we go on this sort of journey of discovery and exploration in our own lives when many, many, many people before have discovered the lessons that we've learned so we're living our own stories, but connecting to those that have gone before. And it's a kind of dance between the two, between creating our own and learning from the past. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think as you're saying that, what then comes in, because when you hear it, it's like the body and the soul go, there is that remembrance. It's like, oh, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So um, you've got such a beautiful grift for being able to create space for this um, for people to share story from you know whether that's in in circle whether that's through documentary making and it's a particular skill to have what do you think has been the biggest skill that you've noticed that has allowed other people to have this space to be witnessed and heard you talked about listening at the beginning it's funny being asked that question because i'm trying to put my finger i feel like listening is such a big part of it often you, you can sense when you're in a conversation with someone and they're just thinking about what they're going to say next. And having had what I thought was a bit of a burdensome problem when I was younger, which is that I preferred to listen than to speak, it now feels quite a precious gift to have um, been able to grow up with. I also think that there's something about... If you can sit in a place of compassion with the person that you're with and really genuinely have the curiosity to find out more about them, but also to be able to embody that whatever is spoken aloud is completely fine, then that that allows deep things to come out. Um, yeah. And a slowing, a slowing down of the conversation. I, I can feel myself slightly doing it now, actually, as I'm getting into the headspace of what it takes we conversations can feel sometimes like batting a tennis ball across the court and actually I use silence a lot in all of my work as a way of just allowing allowing us to see what will pop up if silence is permitted it's a sort of classic interview technique in making films where you'll just sit in silence and someone will always say something that you never would have expected and that's that's a really interesting way of how we communicate as human beings because as you say it is like 
are backwards and forwards quite a lot of the time and we feel like we have to rush to get our point across and there's something really delicious in that space I am just such a big celebrator of space in whichever way that comes you know I always talk about the fact that at the end of a a yoga class in savasana in that space is the most important for all of the work to settle and it's the same with words and it's the same with stories isn't it that the space allows that and allows what wants to come through to come through very intuitively and i don't know um if you find this in when you're in circle and you're in space as well sometimes people find that space really uncomfortable but when you allow yourself to slow down and come into it it's almost like the, the connection to creativity or intuition just breathes a sigh as well, doesn't it? It does, and I often hear people say that they didn't really want to come and they don't quite know why they did come, but once they were there, they got something that they didn't know that they needed until they had the experience. And that was my own experience of starting this little, ex- you know, what started as a little experiment and has now turned into a big part of my work. I wanted to have a particular kind of space. And I didn't quite know what it would give me, but I thought, let's let's see. And it was, um, it was just profound connection and community. Just profound connection and community, you know, but it's really basic stuff. It's not, um, not rocket science. But I also feel that because of that slowing down, I mean, I can feel it in this space because I'm feeling already like I want to do that. I've just come out of London. I've just travelled up and, you know, you're on go, go, go. And I already feel like this is a really beautiful space to be able to create in whichever way form that takes, whether it's a beautiful conversation or just a space to be. You can really get that sense here. And I should imagine that that's really important for you, whatever sister stories are, that 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 space has to be very much that container for people to do that how can people create this kind of space in their everyday life i.e i'm going to have a conversation with somebody because sometimes we sit next with the person on the couch you know a lot of the time and we don't have a conversation we can zone into something else like the tv or netflix or whatever it is if somebody wanted to have a conversation with somebody else in a sharing environment, what kind of things would you offer as something that they could do to set that up? I sometimes think that we're slightly getting disconnected from the art of presence, full presence, because we've always got something buzzing in our pocket or on a screen somewhere. And to actually sit it, sit across from someone and to look them in the eyes and to bring your full presence to that conversation, it can be slightly unnerving, actually. Sometimes people freak out a bit if you actively try and do it but it's as simple as that I think a slower pace of conversation asking meaningful questions to the person you're with and really inviting them into something that feels like you're giving it your full attention and that there's nowhere that you'd rather be and I often I love having conversations with people where I have where I'm able to actually feel like there's nowhere I'd rather be Um, and that only comes when I've turned everything else off I can get completely overwhelmed by life and actually creating that space in my relationship with my friendships is really important rather than everything being via whatsapp yeah and it is such a gift um recently it came up to the 10th anniversary of my dad's passing 
and I hadn't really thought about it in the day and then it got to the evening and I was just about to go to bed and my friend Jane was staying with us and I said all right you know you guys need to have a, a drink for my dad a wee dram and Jane went can you tell me a bit more about your dad because she'd seen the pictures on the wall but she said can you can you tell me what kind of man he was and just allowed me the space we were just stood in the kitchen but she allowed me a good half an hour to just share all of these beautiful stories about what made my dad such an incredibly special man. And my God, it was the best gift I could have been given for celebrating that moment. Rather than just like, here's, you know, here's a dram to you, can, you know, just thinking of you. I went to bed and I was just so full of love because it felt like he was there with me and and that joy of being able to share who he was brought his energy back into my heart. It was just the biggest gift anybody's ever given me. And to be listened to is exactly that, isn't it? And what that person gave you was an invitation to a particular kind of conversation. So you can, we can all go about our lives and think about where we might offer that invitation. So someone who um, is one of the Sister Stories facilitators was talking to me the other day about how an old lady had called her from her balcony and said, I need some help with my iPad. And my friend came inside this lady's flat and they had a three-hour conversation because that, that Nicola, my friend, had offered the invitation to that woman to talk, to be listened to. And it just filled her up and we can do that, but it takes pausing Mm. bringing presence and being open and getting out of our own way to to do that and and there's such a thing there about getting out of the ego and into the whole into the heart into the spirit of what it is to be human we've got so confused about the being the me culture what a wonderful thing that that woman got to chat to somebody for three hours. I mean, you know, I have no judgment. I have no way of knowing what, what was going on for her. But, you know, some people, it could be the only person they speak to. And the only way they get to hear their voice mm-hmm. as well. How beautiful. So what's your, um, what's your vision for sister stories? I mean, how, what, what would you like to it to be the gift that you see? That's a good question. Well, by the end of the year, we're going to have um, Sister Stories circles running in multiple places in the UK, in Glasgow and Edinburgh, York, Reading, a lot of places, a lot of locations in the south of England. And it feels really important to me that um, I help women step forward to be leaders in their own community. You know, I have a particular community that I'm part of and love holding circle with, but the way that a circle runs in London is very different to the way a circle would run on the Isle of Wight or in Northern Ireland. You know, people really being able to develop individual connections with their community so they can be walking around their town or village and see people that they know from sister stories. So I'm running training for facilitators to help teach them how to hold this particular kind of space and support them to set up circles in their area. Um, and it's incredibly simple, but it feels all about reigniting real life connection Mm. and it's something I talk about a lot on the Practical Magic podcast is that importance of when we're lighting up one person's heart um, and you're able to do that for a room full of women the impact that then has as you go on 
as it goes into their community and their homes, of them being able to provide the space for other people to be heard. It just has such an incredibly um, altruistic effect on everything, doesn't it? And then that's really where we need to get to in terms of a much more feminine consciousness, mm. is my belief in the yes. world. Yeah, amazing. So how can people, if they're listening to this, and it's something that's really resonating with them, because I can imagine there will be, how do people find out about that and potentially becoming somebody who could lead sister stories? Um, I've got lots of details on my website, which is sisterstories.co, or um, a really good way to get hold of me is on Instagram. So I'm at Gemma Brady underscore. And we can have a conversation about it. It's interesting. I wouldn't see myself as someone who would do this kind of work necessarily because of the fact I get very nervous. I feel quite shy. You know, there's lots, there were lots of barriers to me starting this. So I would really, if you are a quieter person, it's a really lovely way to do a gentle kind of work without having to be very out there or um, basically you don't need to perform. You can just be yourself and turn up however you are. So I'm open to conversations with anyone who might be interested. Yeah, beautiful. And I would say that's probably one of the biggest skills you need to have to allow people because it is such um, a space of no judgment and just allowing people to be. There's, I, I should imagine in the facilitation, there's, there's a lot in terms of holding that space for women as well. Hugely important. And so something I always like to ask on the Practical Magic podcast is your three tips for gorgeous self-care. Like what do you do for your own self-care? Oh my goodness, that's such a good question because I feel like I'm not doing that well at the moment. What would you do if you were? What would I do if I were looking after myself? So I never feel happier than when I've just woken up from a nap. Mm. I wish, I wish that there were little pods everywhere around cities and towns you can just nip it put some coins in yeah. like a vending machine yeah pop in a little pod for a nap a really nice fluffy pillow with white cotton sheets yes that would be glorious so more naps um this is a very difficult one to hold tan to do tangibly but trying to let myself off the hook a bit mm. um, well we've got the um practical magic cards around <laughs> us and the one you've got there is fuck perfection yeah. Because you are a massive, I was reading some of your stuff before I got here because you wrote in the book, it's this one, isn't it? The Department for Store for the Mind as you are. Massive overachiever. Loved homework at six years old. Oh my God, I used to ask for homework at school. It's embarrassing. <laughs> the teacher would be like, but you're six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so trying to let myself talk a bit. And proper human connection. Mm. So despite being quite introverted and needing a lot of time on my own, if I don't have that space where I can really connect with other people, I start to feel really off kilter. Amazing. Thank you so much, darling ones, for tuning in to the Practical Magic podcast this week. I was in conversation with the most delicious Gemma Brady. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I certainly enjoyed listening and talking with her. I'm going to be back next week in the in-between time Twixmas as we're going to do a bit of a roundup of 2018. So whether you're listening to this on catch up or whether you're listening to this in real time, I'm wishing you a very, very merry Christmas and festive season. I hope you get to have some 
downtime as well as some fun time and just to know if you are interested in getting hold of a practical magic activation deck whether it's a present for yourself or a gift for somebody else our last day of shipping is going to be thursday for guaranteed uk delivery and that's by special delivery obviously so just head on over to the website www.practicalmagicliving.com and i will send it out with love and magic Until next week, darling ones, take care.